When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And fairly early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised, and he is not there. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you for that reading of that wonderful, strange story, I think. Um, A word that came to mind for me was the word defiance. and that we are bold enough to celebrate this season of Easter in a world in which there, was, there is all kinds of brokenness. In fact, uh, this last Sunday, we sang a song uh, before the gospel, Be Not Afraid, Sing Out for Joy, Christ is a Risen, Alleluia. Uh, we sang a song that reminded us not to be afraid, and yet in this story, the women are very afraid. Uh, and as we will I'll remind you again, the disciples, the followers, the 11 that remain with Jesus, they've already taken off. They've gone and hid. They are so afraid of what is about to happen. And now we have this story and we are, as a people, um, remain in defiance um, as people who trust that God brings um, life even out of death. I'm going to tell you another story um, of defiance. Now you heard that you he- who were here on Sunday, a lot of this stuff will um, sound familiar to you. I apologize to that. This is a bit of a repeat. I tried to mix it up a little bit. The story of defiance goes like this. There's a little boy named Johnny. That's his actual name. This is a true story. He's far away from here. I don't expect you'll find out who he is. Um, although he'd probably appreciate you knowing this story about him because it's a pretty makes him a pretty interesting kid, I think. Five-year-old precocious Johnny was digging in his heels. He didn't want to go to church on this particular Sunday morning. And uh, he was a rebel at the age of five. Any of you kids rebellious at the age of five or four or three or two? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I wish I had thought of what Johnny thought of. Um, He said he didn't want to go to church. And his mom said, well, why don't you want to go to church this morning? And Johnny said, because all they ever do is talk about Jesus. And he never shows up anyway. Have any of you ever wondered why Jesus doesn't show up when we talk about Jesus on Sunday morning or Wednesday night? Well, you know what? Johnny might be a bit too smart for his own good, but perhaps he's on to something because in this story, the risen Jesus doesn't show up at the end of Mark's gospel either. All we have 
are the words of this young man in a robe who for some reason is inside the tomb where Jesus is supposed to be, the body of Jesus is supposed to be. All we have is his word. And then we have from Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. Remember the 11 have run away. The men have all run away. All we get from these faithful women who have come to anoint the body of Jesus is, remember the words, terror, amazement, and fear. They are terrified because the body of Jesus has been taken from its resting place. They have come there to anoint the body of Jesus, and it's gone. Or could it be something else? Maybe that's where the amazement comes in. Can this young man, who they don't even know, who's not even named, who's a stranger dressed in a robe, can he be trusted? Can the stranger be trusted? This isn't anybody's favorite Easter story because it leaves us dangling in uncertainty. And I've avoided preaching on this Easter story until now. I've been a pastor for, I'm in my 28th years of being a pastor, and I probably preached on the Easter text 22 times out of the 28 years, and I've never preached on this story. Probably because I tried to avoid it and pick a different one, like John, which is always available for pastors to preach on on Easter. Missing from Mark's gospel, Mark's version of the resurrection, is the drama of Matthew, which has an earthquake. That's kind of cool, right? Or the persistent Jesus of Luke who continues to show up time and again. He meets people on the road to Emmaus and then he meets them at a, a meal together with his disciples. And then, of course, there's the gospel of John in which Jesus... Uh, comes up to Mary Magdalene in the garden and she doesn't recognize him until he speaks his voice and then she recognizes him as the risen Jesus. No, here, the unnamed messenger, his words are all we have along with this understandable response from these women of fear, terror, amazement, but maybe this is, as it, this is as it should be for us because what we know about resurrection and new life from our own experience is more like this. It's, it's messier. It's not simple and straightforward and pretty. Hope in the midst of lingering doubt. Hope, again, in defiance of fear. Hope in the midst, even of great sadness that all of us experience in our lives. But for the church, Easter is the greatest celebration of the year. In fact, it's not a day, but a whole season of the 50 days. We're on day four this evening. We knew that people would show up last Sunday, and we knew that people would show up this evening, even if it is spring break for many of our folks. Because we need to hear, and better yet, we need to sing and taste the promise, over and over again. We need to taste and see the risen Christ. Yes, Johnny, Johnny, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in the body and blood, the bread and wine of Holy Communion that we celebrate each time we gather. We need to experience joy in the midst of a living, breathing community. Look around. We are not alone in faith. 
We are a community that embodies both the uncertainty and doubt that accompanies death like that reflected in the response of these women and also that embodies the ongoing promise of resurrection and new life that is the ground of our hope. We do not leave our vulnerable, uncertain selves at home when we gather together, but we come to celebrate the resurrection in the midst of an imperfect world where there is fear and uncertainty, heartbreak and grief. Yes, even with its lack of resolution, Mark's gospel works for us. There's a song from Leonard Cohen. He's best known for just about everybody's favorite song, Hallelujah, right? You've heard that song before. But this song is entitled Anthem, and I'm very happy to say that during the offering, the band is going to play part of this song. But before we listen to the band in a few minutes, I want to share the words with you from the beginning of Leonard Cohen's song, Anthem. The birds they sang at the break of day, start again, I heard them say, don't dwell on what has passed away or what is yet to be. Ah, the wars they will be fought again, the holy dove she will be caught again, bought and sold and bought again, the dove is never free. So ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that there is a crack in our politics of anger and resentment. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that there is a crack in our fear of the other. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that there is a crack even in our own personal grief. It's not a crack that ever breaks wide open, disappears altogether, but rather a crack that remains ever present, but still lets in enough light and life and promise to give us hope. Hope enough to ring the bells that we can ring. The cross does not disappear, just like suffering in and around us does not disappear. In fact, when you look back into the crack that represents the promise of the resurrection, you will see the cross there. The cross keeps us real. The cross reminds us that the resurrection does not simply wipe away all suffering as if it no longer exists and we're coated with an armor that protects us from ever feeling vulnerable again. Rather, the promise of the resurrection of Jesus is a now but not yet promise, a promise that ultimately, yes, life will overcome death and life will overcome our suffering and the world's suffering. So we live with that ultimate promise, but also with the momentary glimpses of that promise as we live the life of faith. And what it asks of us, what the resurrection asks of us in response is simply that we, re that we reflect the promise 
of hope and new life in the ways that we interact with each other and with the world. That we ring the bells that we can ring. That we do what we can. That we show up. And that we continue to hope in the promise of new life that the risen Christ brings for us and for all. Amen.